Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Ebenezer family and friends. Uh, Thank you for joining us this morning as we continue our Equip You series and talk about some of the things that are on many of our minds right now. Last week, we addressed two of the most common questions people ask and two of the, the greatest criticisms against the Christian faith. And those were the questions, why and where? You know, why does God allow suffering? Where is God in crisis? And why doesn't he step in and stop things in our life? Dr. Jeremy Martini, president of Horizon College here in Saskatoon, was our guest scholar. And he answered those questions brilliantly. So make sure you take the time to go back and listen to last week's service if you haven't done so yet. But as good as last week's message was, and as as important as it is for the people of God to have a thoughtful answer for the questions of why and where, there are other God questions that are even more critical that we need to answer. And that is the question of who, who is God, and the question of what, what is his message for us? And these are the questions we're going to address today with the help of a couple of other guest scholars. Now, the truth is, is that everyone has an image of God. You do, your neighbor does, your coworker does. The problem, though, is that not everyone's image of God is the true image of who God really is. And that false image can have a huge impact on our lives. The good news is that God is not trying to hide himself from us. He wants to be known for who he really is. And he longs for us to hear his voice through his word and through his people, but also through our circumstances, including this global pandemic. Now, before I introduce this morning's guest, I want to begin with a few scriptures that will lay a foundation for what's to come in the rest of the morning. The first scripture is found in the book of Jeremiah, and we'll be there a few times this morning. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says this, This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts, boasts about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight. In this passage, the Lord, through the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, tells his people that their greatest pursuit above everything else in their life should be to understand and to know God. And this pursuit is more important than any other in life, including the big three that we often pursue with all our mind and all our heart and all our strength like the pursuit of wisdom through education, the pursuit of strength in our physical bodies, but also in our influence over others, and the pursuit of wealth through our hard work and smart investments. According to to Jeremiah, these three and anything else we pursue should be a distant second to the greatest and most valuable pursuit of understanding and knowing the God of the Bible. 
When I was in Bible school, I read a book by J.I. Packer called Knowing God. It's a classic. And in his book, he writes this, poses some questions for us. He says, what were we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. What is the best thing in life? Bringing more joy and delight and contentment than anything else. It's the knowledge of God. What a great statement. One of our guests this morning is going to reference the time of Israel's exile, as recorded in the book of Jeremiah. And during that season of disruption and uncertainty in the lives of God's chosen people, God speaks to the exiles through the prophet Jeremiah, saying this. We read this in Jeremiah chapter 24. He says, God speaking, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. And they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. You know, the importance of knowing God is not only for the Israelites or for a people in crisis. Jesus in the New Testament actually defines eternal life as knowing God. Listen to what he says in John chapter 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The Apostle Paul also speaks to this pursuit of knowing God. His constant prayer for those who first believed and formed the early church was this. We read it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And then in Philippians chapter 3, we see how this pursuit dominated his life and values. Philippians 3, 8, and then verse 10, it says this, Paul speaking, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, I I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. One last quote before I introduce this morning's guest. It's from A.W. Tozer's book, another classic called The Knowledge of the Holy, and I love what he says. He says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion, and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward a mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always, the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God, just as her most significant message is what she says about him or leaves unsaid, for her silence is often more eloquent than her speech. What a great quote by A.W. Dozer. I have two guests who will be joining us today. Dave Buring, uh, president and founder of Discipleship Ministry called Lionshare, And Dave will help us understand the importance of knowing God and what that practically means in our lives. 
Then our second guest is Dr. Michael Powalki, president of Briarcrest College and Seminary. And he will speak into how we might listen and discern the voice of God in this crisis and other crises in our lives. So enjoy. Welcome, everyone. Joining me today is someone that at least a few of you will recognize. This is Dave Beering, and all the way from Franklin, Tennessee, which is uh, near Nashville. Although rumor has it that, that Dave still cheers for the Oilers, not the Nashville Predators. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess not, eh, Dave? Anyway, Dave is, the, <laughs> yeah, Dave is the president and founder of a group called Lion's Share. And his, he's the author of several books, one that we know fairly well around Ebenezer called A Discipleship Journey. And that is a navigational guide to spiritual formation and mentoring. Uh, this, is, this is a book that Pastor Chet and many others, including myself, have used with smaller groups and led others through. And uh, from a very personal experience, it's, it's absolutely excellent. Uh, just a bit more about Dave before we ask some questions. Uh, over the last four decades, you don't look old enough for that, Dave. But anyway, <laughs> over the last four decades, you have served as a missionary, uh, pastor, and leader. And uh, using your gifts of communication to equip many people in the ways of God. Uh, I first met Dave uh, through Pastor Chet, and uh, Dave has spoken at our to our staff team here at Ebenezer. He has spoken at one of our C and C retreats. Uh, just most recently, he spoke at our Baptist General Conference of Canada's uh, 2020 summit that involves young adults. And also uh, here at Ebenezer this spring, he spoke to a group of pastors from Saskatoon. So, so Dave, uh, welcome to Ebenezer and welcome to our service this morning that we're glad, we're glad that you're here. Thank you. You know, uh, Leighton, um, Ebenezer is my Canadian home church, you know, so it's like I always feel at home being with you guys. Oh, that's, that's great. So listen, uh, let me just, for the interest of time, let me just jump right in here. Uh, in your book, a discipleship journey. Your very first chapter is on knowing God. And in mm. fact, uh, your opening sentence, which is really a question, is who is God and what is he really like? So I'm just curious, why did you choose to start there? Yeah, that's a great question. And for me, Leighton, um, I, if we don't get that right, I think we get everything else wrong. And it's, it's the starting point, I think, of our whole journey with the Lord. And so for me, in creating that tool, it was like, all right, I want to begin by realigning for people what God's really like. Because I think if we see him rightly, then it causes us to live very differently. Yeah. And, and I think in your book, you talk about uh, that God actually wants us to know him and Satan doesn't you want to just comment on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, all through the scriptures, God invites people to walk with Him, to know Him, to hear His voice, to have fellowship and friendship with Him. And I think from the very moment that we're born, the devil has a strategy to try to do everything he can to let me say it this way: distort, disfigure the character of God. It's kind of like the uh, you know, uh, as a kid, I used to go into those house of mirrors, you know, where you go into the mirrors yeah. and. And you'd look into them and your neck was long and your head was fat and your body was short. And I think the devil likes to take difficult circumstances we're in and kind of thrust a mirror up like that to try to disfigure God in our eyes. And so I think that's why God invites us so many times in scriptures to know him. Yeah, that's great. Um, one of the things that you say in your book, too, is uh, the image we carry of who God is greatly impacts and influences our life. Can you, can you give us some examples of what you mean by that? 
Yeah, I, I have found over time that it affects the, the, the image of God we carry within us. It, it affects how we do everything. I, I think it affects how we view ourselves. I think it affects how we view other people. I know in walking with very, very um, difficult situations right now, there's about three of them that landed on my plate this week, not from my life, but seeking counsel. All of them late and really difficult. And depending on how they were viewing God, it either caused them immediately to have faith leaning in towards God or panic like, what am I going to do? And, and depending on the situation and the person and the way that they have viewed God, it impacted that initial first blush. So when I went there and said, well, let's see what God has to say. Some were right there because they already knew they needed the reinforcement and encouragement. For others, it was, it was almost like taking them off a, a, a ledge. Okay, you can come down now. Don't be panicked. God's with you. This is who he is. And so I have found, Leighton, in the way that it, it causes someone not only to look at God, but at themselves at their circumstances and their destiny, their future, it's, it's big. Yeah, that, that's, I totally agree. Um, I, along with you, Dave, I, I really believe that, that um, uh, God wants us to know him and, and he wants to be known. And uh, so my question for you is, if, if Satan is trying to distort the true image of God, and most of us then are walking around with this distorted image of God, how do we correct that? Like, how do we, how do we see God for who he really is? Yeah. You know, I, I, um, I've often wondered if we were like, if you and I were to have a conversation with the Lord face to face today, if he wouldn't just kind of lean back in his chair and go, you know, one of the things that bothers me the most is I'm so misrepresented. You know, you just wonder if God doesn't feel like he's really misrepresented. And, um, and I, that's something I like to carry in my heart. And so for me, I think the great starting place is the scriptures because it's where he speaks for himself about himself. I, I grabbed my Bible late knowing we were doing this call. And I, I usually have this little purple pencil with me. Uh, even at times when I travel, I stick it in my bag. And what, I, what I've done over the years, and I'll get this close enough so you can see it, is I've highlighted God's names, titles, and attributes in purple in my Bible, so that when I, when I read it, you know, just whether it's in my devotions or I'm studying to prepare something or whatever, I want God's character to scream at me and just to be able to stand out. And, and I had to come down literally, and, I, and you'll see the length of this pencil. It's a brand new and I just sharpened it this week because I ran into some new ones I missed in my Bible. And so I grabbed it so I could start, you know, covering those. And for me, it's a great way, and you don't have to necessarily do that, but to pay attention to the names of God, his titles, and his attributes that he reveals about himself in Scripture, because it would be like you, Leighton, saying to somebody, when you, when you are being misunderstood, you say, actually, no, I think about it this way. It's the Bible's letting us realign from what everybody else has told us, the lies the enemy has tried to distort. Uh, it, and it aligns us with what God says about himself. So I think that's a starting point for us. Yeah, that, that's great. Hey, just so you know, uh, you mentioned that uh, highlighting in, in the discipleship journey videos too. And, yes, and I started doing true. that and highlighting the characters of God in, in my Bible as well. Oh, and, nice. and they do pop off the pages. It's fantastic. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so, so maybe you've answered this a bit, but maybe you can get into a little bit more detail. So, so then how does... God reveal himself in the scriptures. 
So um, first way is what we just mentioned. He reveals his names, his titles, his attributes. I think um, another way that God often does this is we can look at his acts. Like when we see whether it's the parting of the Red Sea or Jesus, you know, bending down to tend that woman, you know, who had been accused of something. It's like when we look at it through God's acts, it reveals more again of his character. So I like to tell people, don't stop at the acts of God. Pay attention to them, but then rewind it back and see what was his heart behind it. And it helps us get mm -hmm. to know him. I also feel like, um, you know, the ways of God, which is how God goes about doing things, the Bible's full of that. And so, you know, we know things like this. Uh, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you need to become the greatest servant. It doesn't say collecting finances and positions and titles. It says be a servant. And that's God's ways of doing things, which is mm -hmm. different than the world's ways. Well, in Exodus, it tells us in Exodus 33, um, Moses says, teach me your ways that I might know you. And so another way to get to know God is paying attention in the scriptures to how he goes about doing things, which is his ways. And then obviously there's the words, you know, that God speaks, that Jesus speaks. So I think his attributes, his ways, his words, his actions, if we pay attention to that in scripture, it helps us see more what he's really like. Yeah, that's great. And another, another thing is, is just to uh, look at Jesus, right? Because exactly. Uh, didn't Jesus wow. say, you know, if you, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. And exactly. so just to study the ways of God uh, and yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, now, now when we do some of this, I, I think the danger is though, Dave, is that um, if I just read the Bible and I read lots of things and I highlight and I take notes I could, I could come out knowing lots of facts about God. Yes. And, and even for me growing up, I think that was probably me. I knew, I knew more facts about God than, than experienced God for myself. Yes. So, so how, how do we, how do we shift so that, so that those facts kind of enter into us and we, we come to know God through our experience? Well, I think that's a great question, Leighton. And I think it's one that many people wrestle with. And, for me, it, it starts with inviting the Lord into my daily life, mm. where no matter what I'm doing during the day, that there's a, there's a new referencing point of prayer, where I get into a situation like yesterday, I was in a situation where I just had the moment in time to whisper, Lord, I desperately need your help here. Mm. And it, it was that place of dependence and need. And yet, in the end, after I got off a Zoom call with somebody in a different nation, I realized you came through. Boy, Lord, you sure came through. That, that was not what I was prepared to share. And you, and, and I think yeah. sometimes um, that dependent place of prayer, another one for me would just be the simplicity of obeying both what the word says and then maybe what the spirit of God is dropping in my heart at any given moment. So it's kind of like they're out in the field on any given day with people, with situations, you know, in, in the days we're living in, may, maybe more in our own homes and our relationships that way, it's paying attention to what does the Lord put in my heart and am I, and am I obeying that? Because when we obey that, Jesus shows up in and through that. I, I think that's a, that's a really practical one. Um, and a big picture one for me, Leighton, is just the ongoing um, pursuit of God. Yeah, You know, that, that in my life, I'm making it um, a priority. Uh, if we don't make seeking God a value and priority, that part of it never 
lands and we just come to God when we're desperate and he'll yeah. meet us. But he wants, like you've been saying, he wants relationship with us, just like you and I would have with our kids and our grandkids. He wants friendship with us. And I think the seeking of him, praying and inviting him into our daily life, but paying attention, which is this is where I often find the, the flaw is we, we might have a time with the Lord in the morning and then we go out the door never to referencing him again till we come back 24 hours later to our quiet time. And I think that's where prayer through the day, obedience and list, learning to listen to God in the midst of situations because he wants to give us advice and counsel. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Appreciate that. Um, then let me ask you the opposite question. So uh, that, that helps us experience God. So what are the things that hinder us from knowing and experiencing God. Yeah, that's a great one. And I, obviously I think we could each personalize that and answer that. Um, generally, I, I run into things like busyness. I find a lot of people who are really accomplished people. Um, when I say, have you, have you had some time with the Lord recently? And they go, ah, you know, it's been a month or two. And, and you realize when you talk with them, they've gotten so busy that they don't give time to the Lord. It's kind of the Mary Martha picture in the book of Luke, you know, where, yeah. where Martha, you know, was a little too busy. And Jesus said, Hey, for now, and he knew what was coming. Just come and sit here with Mary. And, and so I think busyness can be one. Um, I also find distractions being one. Um, if you remember that movie that came out, Oh, a good. Maybe decade ago called up. It was an animation movie. And oh, in yes, it, you yeah. have a dog where it's always squirrels, squirrels. Yeah. And, and it's like we've got squirrels and shiny things trying to draw uh, our attention away. And so I think an, a great honest question to ask in our lives is not only what, what are we maybe too busy with, but what are those things that just distract me from maybe something that's got eternal importance? And so I think mm. uh, pausing to, to look at distractions, I think, can be a good thing. Um, the pride of our own lives, you know, I got this. I got it you know, yeah. can keep us from pursuing the Lord. And of course, things like sin and selfishness, uh, all that stuff too, which I think, you know, uh, just plays out as, as parts of our lives we need to be aware of. But for me, busyness, distraction, those are two of the bigger ones. Well, it's interesting that in this season, at least here in Saskatchewan, some of that busyness and distractions are, are, have been taken away from us because we, we have to slow down. And, yeah, exactly. and, uh, so it's, it's an opportunity for us to actually kind of lean in towards God and, and really hear his voice and, and get to know him. It's a great opportunity for all of us. When, when hockey's gone, what else can you do? <laughs> Tell me. Yeah, that's, that's true. Okay, one, one last question um, for you, Dave, today. So why, why is knowing God so critical for us during a crisis in our life, like a crisis like this? Yeah. I, um, I often like to reference uh, this, I'm going to use my, my hands for this image, is I've, I have found that unless someone has been discipled to think differently, then the way we tend to think about things is it's like, here's the circumstance that's before us. So right now it's the COVID-19, it's all that comes with that. And that's here. And then we, we make judgments on God based on this. Hmm. And, and that gets us in trouble. And instead, what we need to do is we need to flip that and we need to say, okay, I'm going to view my circumstances through who God is revealed in scripture. 
Yeah. And it's a, it's a game changer, Leighton, because then it's like, all right, I don't have income right now. You know, if that's where the, a person is, it's like, instead of viewing God through that circumstance, we'll see God is not a provider. God doesn't care about me. And, and, and again, we know who the enemy will chirp that in our ears, won't he? Yeah. If we can reverse that and go, okay, from what I see in scripture, God is faithful. God is faithful. And it says, if he provides for the birds of the air, how much more will he provide for us? You know, Matthew six. And, and I think that's a place we have to begin with. And so what, what it really does for me, Leighton, is it brings um, Proverbs three, five, and six to the front for me, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I think, and I like to say this kiddingly is oftentimes we live trust in the Lord with half your heart. And if it doesn't work out, I'll just pull out the credit card, you know? And, and I think the reality is, is so if we play that out, trust the Lord with all your heart. And I like this and do not lean on your own understanding because that's where we go. And our own understanding kind of gets us in, well, I'm making a judgment on God versus saying, I'm starting with God first in scripture. And then I'm going to, I'm going to look at my circumstances through he is not only late, does it give us a sense of peace, but it also lets us uh, stand and grow in trust of God. So that even when we're out of this particular challenge and we face the next one, those are like rods of steel now deep inside of our lives. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Dave, listen, it was great to talk to you. Thank you for, for taking some time to do that for us. Uh, we, we appreciate you. Your influence, even though a lot of people don't see you here, is actually quite significant. And uh, many of us have gone through a discipleship journey and have enjoyed it very much. And I just want to give you an open invitation. Next time you're in Saskatoon area, let's get you uh, to our church and hopefully we'll be able to gather together in person and uh, maybe we can have you come and share from, from uh, a Sunday morning at the church here too. Okay? It'd, be, it'd be my honor. And I'm looking forward to seeing your new beautiful building as well. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Blessings on you. All right. See you later. Take care. Yep. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, my next guest this morning is Dr. Michael Pawalki. He is the president of Briarcrest College down at Karenport. And I've appreciated uh, uh, Michael and getting to know him over the years. And so thank you for joining us today, Michael. Great to be here with you, Leighton. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of things. I want to ask uh, a Bible school scholar and I'm, and so that's you in case you didn't know uh just just a question like ha, has there ever been any examples in the scriptures where the people of god went through a really calamitous or disruptive change in their lives and and if so uh, what happened how did they respond to those events well Leighton, that that's a, a great question in fact I, i've actually been thinking a lot about this uh in the scriptures over these last few weeks because um uh, you know, how, how have the people of God throughout the centuries responded to these tectonic, massive shifts? And so I, I thought of a number of occasions. So I thought certainly of, uh, of Noah and his family after this uh, year-long flood, uh, and, and they're going to establish a new world. Or Abraham, when he travels, travels some 1,000, 1,100 kilometers uh, from the Ur of the Chaldeans uh, to, to Canaan. And, and all the shifts and transitions that he would have gone through. Or Jacob, when he moves his whole family uh, from Canaan to Egypt for some 400 mm-hmm. years, and, and all the disruption. And, and, of course, Israel's march in the wilderness uh, for 40 years under discipline of God. And then as they finally get to the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. Uh, and then, of course, uh, 
Israel when they go into exile, perhaps a, mm. a, a real significant one. And, and so I was reading Jeremiah, and I want you to listen to what, what God prompts Jeremiah to say under, under, under the inspiration of the Spirit. Uh, this is what we read uh, in Jeremiah chapter 29. It says, Thus says the Lord, the hosts, the God of Israel, to the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live with them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and daughters and give, give, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do, and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city uh, where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Hmm. And so what strikes me about this occasion, as well as all the others, is there are these massive transitions they had to go through, absolutely tumultuous, and, and the upheaval was incredible. And yet even here, when God was taking in this particular wave uh, of, of captivities, uh, of captives, there was about 3,000 at this occasion, uh, Jeremiah writes and says, look, when you get there, settle down, uh, build homes, work, uh, have family life, marry, have your children marry, and seek the welfare of the city. And so when, when Noah completed the flood, well, let's rebuild our world. Uh, when, when Abraham moved to, to Canaan, well, let's rebuild yeah. the world. And so what strikes me is just the importance of, of these fundamental routines. Now, certainly uh, growing out of this crisis, there's going to be all kinds of needs, and the church can step in and meet those needs and all kinds of opportunities. But with those needs and with those opportunities and with all that transition, there's still a place for those routines of life. So I, I know five weeks ago when I started working from home, I had to figure out this Zoom technology and we're all figuring out how do we, how do we give leadership to our organizations uh, from, from a distance. But, but there's also those routines of caring for your faith, caring for your family, yeah. caring for your health. I had to have new routines for exercise and self-care. And so there's disruption, but, but there's also this need for these stable routines. So I think one of the messages, quickly establish new routines uh, to, to, to uphold and maintain those practices that you found vital throughout your whole life. And I think that's important for the people of God. So yeah, that's good. Disruptions. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is this is not the first time that there's been disruption for the people of God, and it probably won't be the last time. And we need to keep on living and rebuilding and adapting as we, as we move forward. Absolutely. Okay. That, that's good. So listen, Michael, I have a second question for you today. And that is uh, earlier this week, we talked about how we might listen for and discern the voice of God in this current crisis. And, and I love what you had to say to me. And I'm wondering if you could just uh, share some of those things with our church family this morning. Sure. Happy to lead. Here's how I think of it. One of the questions people begin with when there's a calamity, when there's a crisis, when there's a tragedy is, is why? Why is this happening? And quite often our first thought is there's some sort of macro lesson at work here. Now, it certainly would be true that one lesson we're all getting through this COVID-19 crisis is that we're not in control. So that's a given. That's a, an obvious message that we all need to, to respond to and reflect yeah. upon. But I think it, it would be too simplistic in our theology and in our, in our view of God to think there's only one reason mm -hmm. or one purpose at work. And so 
when God speaks, he, he wants a response. And when God moves and when he acts, he, he, he wants us to respond. So God's doing something in China. And God's doing something in North Korea. And God's doing something in India. And God's doing something in Europe and even here in North America. Now, I read an interesting uh, Instagram post uh, a few days ago from, from a celebrity wrestler. And, and I'm, not a, I'm not a stargazer. But here, the famed Hulk Hogan uh, tweets out that, uh, is this a time when God is exposing our idols? And, and he identifies three particular idols. He talks about celebrity athletes, and he talks about celebrity musicians, and he talks about celebrity actors. And he says, isn't it interesting? You know, stadiums are closed, uh, theaters are closed, and these massive uh, concert gatherings are all closed. And, and, and he asks the question. Now, you can wrestle with that, but I find it interesting that Hulk Hogan would be saying, hmm, is God saying something to us? And I think that's a, a good question to ask ourselves. What is God saying to us more particularly? Yeah. And I think it's something for the church to ask, ask itself, uh, certainly the church in Canada, say, okay, what, what are the lessons for us as a church? And even more particular, what are the lessons perhaps for, for Ebenezer? So when you think of just one example, having to work at home, and I fully get the, the financial and economic fallout of this pandemic is going to be huge. And, yeah. and we're all processing that with great sobriety and, and great concern. But on the other hand, it, it's brought marriages together and families together. And I get there's some downside. and There have been some horrendous domestic abuse. But in a whole bunch of other cases, this has brought it's giving couples time. It, it's given families time to, to, to entertain themselves together, to eat together, to talk. And so there's yeah. been these attend, attending positive implications that, that has grown out of this. Well, that's to be celebrated. But then I would even take it another level uh, further, Layden. What is God saying to us personally? Yeah. So it isn't just God speaking to the world. It isn't just speaking to Canada. It isn't just speaking to the church, but he's speaking to us personally. And so I think it's helpful for us to ask, God, what are you saying to me in all this? Where am I putting my confidence, my trust, uh, my security? Is it, on my, is it in my profile, my status? Is it in my job security? Because, boy, th this COVID-19 has been the great equalizer. We're all working from home. We're all having to figure out how to cut our own hair. We're all figuring out how to connect with our family at a distance. It's, it's been a great equalizer. But nevertheless, what are the particular lessons that God might have for me? Where am I putting my trust? Or maybe we might ask, um, how, how do I handle stress? Are, are my thoughts and attention authentically turning to God? Or am I self-medicating yeah. those? Uh, you know, am I, am I just pursuing uh, ways to spend my time through shallow entertainment? Am I self-medicating through, through alcohol? And, you know, Linda and I don't drink, but but for many people, they have a glass of wine, they have a second glass of wine, they have a third glass of wine, and they're, 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 they're self-medicating through counterfeits. When God says, no, in stress and in crisis, I want you to turn to me. So he, he, here's how I started. The question of why uh, usually has an unsatisfying answer, at least an emotionally unsatisfying yeah. answer. But for us to ask the question, hmm, what can I learn from this? Yeah. What, what might God be saying to me in all of this? I think that's a helpful question for us to ask as individuals, as church leaders, as leaders of organizations. What can I learn? And then how do I respond to those learnings? 
the whole rhythm of scripture is God reveals and we respond. That's what worship is, responding to worship. And, and, and similarly, so with learnings, God reveals himself to us through certainly his word, but through life circumstances. And we respond and he wants us to respond in ways that well, draw us closer to him. Yeah. And what I love about that is that's not just the message for the church and people that are Christians. That's the message for the world that, that Absolutely. we can be listening and asking, like, what does God want to, to say? What's the message he wants to bring us? So that's, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Listen, Michael, I won't take any more of your time today. I know that you're a busy fellow, but I really appreciate uh, you uh, joining us at Ebenezer. And hopefully we'll get you here in person sometime in the near future. We would love to come. And I, just want, I just want to bless you and bless your church. Uh, you're an influential church here in Saskatchewan and a healthy church. And I commend you and you and your whole team. Uh, God bless and love to connect with you personally uh, sometime okay, in the thank future. You, thank you very much, Dr. Michael. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Dave, and thank you, Michael, for taking the time to share with us today. Appreciate that. Let me just wrap up with a couple of closing thoughts. Um, it's critical that you know God, not an image of God that other people have, not your image of God that's distorted, but you take time to know the God of the Bible. And the image that you carry around with you about the God of the Bible is going to greatly influence your life. So take time to discover him and to get to know him experientially. And next week, we're going to have some of our staff share how they have come to know God through his word and through um, their experience and how that is now impacting their life and moving forward. So looking forward to that. The second thing is that God wants to speak to us. And so take some time not to figure out what God's saying to the world, but take some time to slow down and listen and ask God Say, God, what are you saying to me? And as we do that, I'm convinced that God is going to meet us and we will know the true God of the Bible and we will hear and obey his voice. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We look forward to you joining us again next week. Let me just close in prayer. So, Father, thank you for our church family. Uh, Thank you that we could meet together even if it's online. But thank you more for your son, Jesus Christ, and for your word, which is the living word of God. Thank you that you can speak to us and that we could know you, the true God of the Bible. And so, God, uh, even this week, would you continue to reveal yourself to us? Would you continue to speak to us through your words and through our circumstances so that we might know you and respond to you? I commit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, thanks so much. Have yourselves a great week. Praying for you. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.